Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched The Proposal. And I don't know when it came out. It came out in 2009. It was directed by Anne Fletcher and written by Peter Chiarelli, who we have previously talked about on this podcast because he wrote Crazy Rich Asians. And it has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, the... The writer of this wrote Crazy Rich Asians or the director of this wrote Crazy Rich Asians? The writer of this wrote Crazy Rich Asians. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, I liked Crazy Rich Asians better. <laughs> Harry, what were you? Why was my memory that people are like obsessed with this movie? And it was like a sleeper hit. It was like so good. That was my memory. It's not accurate. No. I mean, maybe people love this movie, but it's it's not so good no it's not this has never been one of my favorites um i thought people like loved it when it came out i mean some people may this has just never been like one of my faves jamie really likes it maybe that's what you're thinking of it, 2009 was a different time you know this movie we forgot to say who's in this movie start sandra bullock ryan reynolds betty white Oscar from the office. Mary Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen and Craig and Craig Tino Nelson. Yes. I mean, great cast. Rose get upset when I say this, but I do believe Ryan Reynolds to be um, what happens. You tell hot people they're funny, which I said to Ben the other day, and he was like, I mean, watch Deadpool. And I was like, I didn't mean to start this. Oh, I'm being yelled at about Deadpool. Not yelled at, but just was like, it's a great movie. It's like, I'm sure. I enjoy Bros Ryan Reynolds. Bros love Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> they do. Bros love Ryan Reynolds. I also enjoy Ryan Reynolds. I also enjoy Deadpool. Thought he was great in Deadpool. I personally feel like Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds and like their interactions, their chemistry is really the only thing going for this movie oh i thought you were gonna say non-existent <laughs> well <laughs> this movie she plays his boss and she plays his boss and she's a very mean boss mm-hmm. and the the employees of her company call her lots of sexist things mm-hmm um, which is fine because then she turns racist when she finds out she's being deported when she says things like, but I'm not even a real immigrant. And she in the immigration office says like, you have a bunch of quote, gardeners and delivery boys to help. So honestly, like no one's great. Uh, um, but then so she finds out she's being deported because she did something wrong with her visa application. Um which it isn't really clear what, and it never like comes back, like what she did wrong. Um, also, her boss says to her, if you're deported, you can't work for an American company. Which, is that true? I mean, I guess right, maybe because like, she you're... was like, I can just, this is obviously pre-COVID, but she's like, well, I'll just got like, they're like, you have to be there for a year. And she's like, great, well, I'll just go to Toronto and like work remote for a year, which we now, now like, in a post-COVID world, would I be like, yeah, that makes sense. Why isn't she doing that anyway? Anyone? Anywhere. Um, but this was made in 2009, so we didn't know that yet. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she has to get her assistant, Ryan Reynolds, to marry her. 
And she does mm-hmm. so by blackmailing him and telling him that she'll like help his career. And if her competitor at the company, Asif Manvi, who she's just fired, in fact, takes over, he won't be nice to Ryan Reynolds at all. So she's like, you're tethered to me, sucker. So then she has to go with him to his uh, small Alaskan town where he's from and meet his family. And then they're like, well, you should just get married right now. And then, you know, hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not enough hijinks and also like not very entertaining hijinks. No, and like at one point, and like Malin Ackerman is there as his like high school girlfriend, but why is Malin Ackerman there? Like, yeah, what is her purpose other than to like be hot? Yeah, she's not even really like, she never like confesses love for him. She's never like, I want you back. She's never like, she's just there to be like, he was such a great guy. And Sandra is that supposed to like help Sandra Bullock realize that he was such a great guy? It's also, it's just sort of, yes, I don't understand. There's a lot of like threads that never got all the way threaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like one scene where like Sandra Bullock sees them together and like, I guess gets jealous, but we don't really follow that through anywhere and also, like, he genuinely seems, like, still interested in Malin Ackerman. And so she's, like, watching that and getting jealous. And then, like, less than 24 hours later, he's like, I am in love with you, Sandra Bullock. And it's like, whoa, that was a real turn. I mean, we go from hate to love in 48 hours, which is wild. They sleep there at least three nights, right? So they have to have, like, arrived on a Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, wedding on a Sunday. I think I think we have to believe they got there. I think that it has to have been a long weekend. Also, like, what a trek for three days. Even still, even if it's three days, it's a wild transition that I, I think part of the reason I've never quite connected with this movie is that transition has never felt fully earned. Um, yes, I agree. I understand why he she falls in love with him i think like his character is made to be very compelling and endearing it's unclear other than like he like he hears that her parents died and she has a tattoo representing her parents because they died when she was 16 i get like it won't like it throughout Wait, she gets like what? More when do we find out that the tattoo was because of her parents uh when they're falling asleep on the first night or like maybe oh no it's after they see each other naked after like they accidentally bump into each other naked and he's like well now i know what your tattoo is and she's like it's two doves or whatever because my i got it right after my parents died when i was 16 wow i completely missed that are you watching an edited version happy for her maybe i was watching it on peacock so was i okay no we watched the same version just somehow missed that key component and so she's like humanized, but it's sort of like, all right, like now he sees her as a human and not just like his mean boss. But that's a that's a leap to love. Like I've had terrible bosses that have said things to me that have been like, oh, you are just a person, but I have not fallen in love with them. Right. Like I can understand him going from like hatred to maybe like at least like tolerance. Or like an understanding. Right. Also, it still doesn't accuse like workplace abuse. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think part of like what doesn't didn't work for me about this movie and has never really worked for me about this movie is she's just 
like a very first of all she's like a caricature of a female boss of a working woman she hasn't had sex in a year and a half she's all dried up it's all dried up she's she's an ice queen um at one point when she's coming one of them maybe even ryan reynolds is like the witch is on her broom which first of all offensive but second of all like be careful because she is a fucking witch have you ever seen the movie practical magic it's better than this yeah and like there's some element of like she knows she's a bitch which i feel like i don't know it just it feels so caricature like it just feels there's not a lot of grounding in her character we get some humanization later on but it's sort of like we swing wildly between like horrible person and not um without any kind of like middle ground or or reality right also the other moment that like makes him fall in love with her is when she's rapping to get low with betty white with betty white in this like scene where they're appropriating native american culture that's wildly offensive well at one point betty white says something about like the tribe so it's like we're maybe alluding that like betty white does have like native roots like yeah, native alaskan roots grandmother being a native american woman so i guess we're alaskan supposed to woman. like i guess we're supposed to believe oh yes like her grandmother married a russian guy right. but it's also like we know betty white i mean maybe betty white had native roots i think i think probably not so it's just yeah, a mean, little weird yeah you're casting uh, you know a white woman at the very least a white passing woman i mean queen amongst American us all roots. god god bless betty white but her last name is white right mm. yeah i had not remembered like it would be as problematic as it was yeah it's unclear why we needed to make sandra bullock so racist in the beginning and again i mm-hmm. understand that like that was not the movie was making a point of like the movie was not endorsing calling immigrants uh gardeners and delivery boys but like the joke of like i'm not even an immigrant i'm from canada and then like all the other people in the immigration office being people of color it's a little like we don't care about immigration if it's coming from like countries mostly populated by white people which is sort of america's stance on immigration (laughs) right um and then also to have her refer to him as it's like we didn't need that character to be a racist like she was a she was a cold boss like that's fine that's we don't then need we like i don't i don't need oh it was a little bit similar well, but it to wasn't the holland taylor her. and baby yeah it was a little bit similar to holland taylor and baby mama being like don't get a black baby it's like we could have written that character the same sort of like level of weird without like making them racist right well and it's not just her like the movie I think thinks those jokes are funny because at the end and like the post credit sequence, the immigration investigator um, is interviewing Oscar Nunez and who's like maybe the only character of color with lines in the movie and asked him if he is an American citizen. Nunez, right. I always get confused if the actor is oscar nunez 
or Oscar Martinez because his character is Oscar Martinez. No, no, the actor is Oscar Nunez. And he's Hispanic or Latino. And the only, am I right? Like the only character of color in this movie. And the immigration officer asked him if he's an American citizen. Like, gross. Well, and also his whole character, his character is basically like the Kirk from Gilmore Girls. Like he works in every job. He's just like always there. Which is a funny bit. It is a funny bit. And it's funny that he keeps showing up. But like, no one ever regards him as like a full person. He's like there to serve them in whatever job he has. And also like, also Mm -hmm. he has like a thick accent, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But it's also like, that's not the actor's actual accent. And so it feels a little bit like we're just like, kind of making him dumber or sillier by giving him an accent rather than like something like the office where he plays like a full character and like racist things get said to and around him because that's Michael Scott's character. Mm-hmm. But he like the, it's like very clear in the office that like Michael is the problem and Oscar is like, stressed out by his shitty boss like I don't it's just Mm -hmm. like two very different takes on the like stereotyping a Mexican man character and in the office it works because we're all on team Oscar groaning at Michael and this I think we're sort of supposed to be on the side of the white people being like laugh at the funny performing you know immigrant guy and it's a little yeah um Yeah, I think the other thing that doesn't work for me in this movie is I don't like being second-handedly embarrassed. And there's a lot in this that, like, is, like, the humor comes from, like, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds embarrassing each other or, like, trying to embarrass each other or being really awkward with each other. And it just makes me kind of, like, the scene where they're telling the story of how he proposed and they're trying to like she's trying to make him look bad because she's trying to make him look sensitive and he's trying to make himself look better and try and make himself look masculine it just makes me really anxious and awkward because it's very cringy to like see this whole room of people watching these people embarrass each other also, and I know like, what a joke that like oh he was sensitive isn't that this man behaved in a way we equate with womanhood and that is yeah and this meanwhile the entire movie is like this woman is trying to like be in a man's world and that makes her and acts then more masculine at work and that makes her suck right can't win for losing exactly this movie is also just kind of forgettable like i watched this movie this morning and then I realized like as I was working today and you know waiting to record with you I was like I haven't really thought about that movie at all and not that I need my rom-coms to like stick with me the purpose of a rom-com or really any comedy is well no that's not true but like the purpose of a rom-com and a lot of times is like escapism and not to like make you contemplate life right or you're like or give you like an existential crisis in any way or anything like that. But, but I literally like turned the movie off and then like forgot I had watched it today. Right. Like I cannot think of one joke. I watched this last night. So slightly longer ago than you, but within the last 24 hours, 
And I can't think of like one joke that had me laughing. And I remember when this came out, people being like, especially around Betty White and Oscar Nunez, people being like, they're so funny. And maybe it's just because I do think like Betty, I mean, obviously Betty White was one of the greatest of all time, but also like, just like Betty White and Oscar Nunez are funny actors. And it's 2009. So we were like peak office stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think like seeing him play a much goofier character than Oscar Martinez was probably like, look, he's so funny. And it's like, yeah, he is very funny. But like the movie's not that it's like they're they're all doing the best with what they have. But right. Yeah. And uh, Betty White had some good moments. Um, And she is just kind of natural. Like. She's very naturally funny, you know, no matter what she's saying, there's comedy to it because of her timing and her delivery. But I didn't ever laugh out loud. No. The one time I chuckled was very early on in the movie when he, when she, he's on the phone with his family and then she comes out and she says like, was that your family? And he says, yes. And she says, did they tell you to quit? And he says every single day. Hmm. I was, but I didn't like laugh. I, I did that. I kind of like. Hmm. I had a moment when funny. she like they like first arrive at his parents house in Alaska in this like big beautiful house and she says like I didn't realize you're rich and he says like I'm not rich my parents rich and she says that's the only rich people said say I had a little like huh because that is true um but yeah I was sort of like this isn't I did but like I'm not like walking around thinking god what a good joke that was and I think that's the disconnect in this movie is like comedy is funny because it's based in truth it's based in reality even like farcical comedy or gross out comedy or something that's broader the best of it is still has some truth to it some grounded in reality to it and I think this movie misses the mark so much because it just doesn't feel like it's grounded in anything yeah it's like I I mean I just saw and people are talking about everything everywhere all at once and I like am repeating the Rack and Cooney joke which is I mean it's about the multiverse like but the joke comes from a a woman misspeaking a mother specifically a mother misspeaking and how funny that is and I very much I thought that was hilarious and very much related to it because we have a mother who mispronounces things a lot now when our mother mispronounces things does it spawn alternate universes that we then have to explore probably not but like, I think what made that in like very broad, ridiculous movie work is that like it's grounded the jokes and the stakes and the like drama of it is grounded in something real. So then you go off on these weird tangents that are funny because they're ground. Whereas this is like sort of supposed like this doesn't have this isn't like weirdly about the multiverse, but it's sort of like we're just doing a lot of like weird bits like an eagle get like grabbing the dog and Sandra Bullock having to like get the dog back which just isn't like landing in any sort of real way also because it doesn't like look super real the green screen work in this movie is wild I mean you kind of touched on something earlier when you said like there's something um compelling about Ryan Reynolds character but not with Sandra Bullock's character and I do think like some of the stuff that hit for me 
was like the interaction between him and Craig T. Nelson or the interactions between him and Mary Steenburgen. And I think, again, because that character feels more fleshed out and more fully, fully formed than the Sandra Bullock character. Um, you know, we get this backstory about like her parents and the fact that she's been on her own since she's 16. But that to me doesn't quite explain like why she is as horrible as she is. Um, yeah, and so it feels like I, it was just like, whereas with Ryan Reynolds, we get a far better understanding of who he is, why he's making the choices he's making, why he's making the decisions he's making, his, you know, his relationships with external people. That feels far more fleshed out than she does. She feels like a very 2009 sort of like, like I, movie is like very squarely placed in time as in like this is what we this is how we talked about women in the workplace mm-hmm. like it feels you know it's it's in that sort of like 30 rock was big can women have it all thing like which is unless character is not anything like Liz Lemon but like that sort of like woman who's gotten herself this high up in work must be cold. She must be mean. She, she needs to be softened. She needs to be made more feminine. She needs to be, she needs to be fucked, which is part of it. It's like, she hasn't had sex in a year and a half. Yes. And then once they get together and presumably have fucked, then like we see her like with loose curls and her hair is down. She doesn't have like a severe, like pulled back hairstyle anymore she's wearing brighter colors I was gonna say her dress is floral now she is feminine now right that's kind of like okay relax the other thing when you said to go back to what you said about like her we find out that her family has died but that doesn't really explain that doesn't really tell us a lot about her character this movie has a lot of similar themes to while you were sleeping she plays a woman with no family who falls in love with a man because she loves she remembers what it's like to be loved by a family right down to like Mm -hmm. the dress she wears in the wedding scene that that she then walks out of in a very similar way um it just has like it just like harkens back to while you were sleeping although that movie does such a much better job of explaining one lucy is not like a harsh or hard person Mm -hmm. because losing her family has not made her mean and two it just like explains that character so much more whereas this i think we're just supposed to accept like well she was orphaned as a teenager so she became mean and it's sort of like i'm i'm here for like a character who's been hardened by the world or gone through some sort of trauma like softening but this feels like woman works is mean needs her assistant to like be nice to her and soften her in a way that it's mm-hmm. just sort of like i don't it's so Right down to, like, when they have their final kiss at the office, like, after the big speech, somebody yells, show her who's boss, Andrew, which is so gross. I missed that. Yeah, her, mm. her employees are quite um disrespectful to her behind her back. And again, she's mean to him. Like, I'm not saying, like, like, she's a shitty boss to him. Yeah, I mean, she has created a toxic workplace. So, like, I don't fault the employees for talking shit about her. Like she's created a horribly toxic environment um and from what we see he's very good at his job and she gives him very little credit for that well and she even Um, says to him like i know you're good at your job but i know you she's a book editor which is unimportant except that that's what they do 
Um, but he well, even and says that it's like a true rom-com trope that like they work in book publishing. Yes. But she even says like, I knew you would be a good editor, but I refused to promote you because I didn't want to lose you as an assistant, which is a shitty boss like thing to do. Like that's a, as someone who's worked as an assistant a long time, that's like something that happens and it sucks. And it's like a shitty situation. Um, but then there, like, there's not really any sort of like, she just like, then like they hook up and she'll now promote him. Like it's just. Right. We like, there's no sort of like reckoning that she isn't kind to people and that she's created this toxic work environment or that like, I don't know. He's softening her. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of like, now that she has a man, like she'll be a better person. She doesn't need to you know, make amends for any of the horrible things she's done other than like buying the manuscript that he wants her to buy. But like, there's a lot of other people she's been horrible to. Yeah. But, and continues to be like, even in the final scene, like before he comes in and like gives his grand speech, like she's bossing around an employee in like kind of a not super nice, respectful way. Well, because she's lost the man, Carrie, and so she can't be soft. True. Yeah. It's it's very, like, early 2000s feminism of, like, well, she's working. <laughs> it's like, we've let women work, so now we'll shit on them for that. Right. Right. I did. I do love Mary Steenburgen and Craig T. Nelson as rom-com parents. Pretty sure Craig T. Nelson is a Trumper, but God, if I do not love him as a rom-com dad. Craig T. Nelson famously said, I've never needed the government help, government's help. I was on food stamps for years and never took anything from the government. Craig, now that's a paraphrase, but it was there. It was a clear misunderstanding of you did the, you were on food stamps. So you were getting something from the government. Um, yeah, no, yeah. he's, he's a right winger. So that sucks, but he is the quintessential rom-com dad, especially when you like, if your rom-com small town is like, Alaskan wilderness (laughs) yeah no unfortunately this cast is great like I love the people in this movie and they're doing the best they can with what they got but you know like I feel like we're shitting on like the Sandra Bullock character but I mean she really did as much as she could to humanize that character and make that character interesting and funny Oh, this is but a Sandra Bullock so stand podcast. I mean, again, yeah. while you were sleeping in Practical Magic are two of our faves. This is not it. No. no. Uh, and I know I should on Ryan Reynolds and say he's what happens when you tell hot people they're funny, but I've also gone on record and called definitely maybe one of my top 10 rom-coms. So I am, ende- I am endeared to Ryan Reynolds. I will drink his tequila. I did like the la- like his end speech. Again, like I don't buy that these two people are in love, but it was a good like final speech. That's the other it thing in this good- movie. I think like "Will you marry me so I can date you?" is like a good is like a funny line. To, not funny is like a good line to end this movie. I do agree with you. It's like if our bar- if if the trouble with a rom-com is how do we believe that two people have fallen in love over an hour and a half to two hours 
it's a very hard especially if your movie takes place over three days mm-hmm. it's a very hard thing to do mm-hmm. and we routinely like the rom-coms that successfully make us believe that those two people would have naturally fallen in love and this mm-hmm. does not feel like that this feels like an easy concept to sell in a room and a hard concept to execute believably. And there are lots of rom-coms that are more sort of fantastical in nature or have our couples falling in love very quickly that you and I like and that we've liked, you know, on this podcast. But this one just it didn't have anything trying the fantasticalness or the falling and going from hate to love in three days, tying it all together in any way. Yeah. It wasn't enough meat. There was just a lot of like bits, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. It needed like a grounding thread. It needed, mm-hmm. I think it needed those. I think it needed Sandra Bullock to be a better written character. Yeah. Right. It does look like Ryan Reynolds is a good kisser. So it has that going for it. Blake, if you're listening, let us know. So I get that. I mean, again, I get why she falls in love with him. It's unclear to me why he falls in love with her. I was also really bothered in the beginning, in the first sequence. Um, she has on what I really like is like a, you know, her like buttoned up, high powered lady, cold lady. Yes. She's in dark, severe colors because she's a severe lady. Great. Except that they gave her this like slouchy, awful colored bag. And I was like, in what world? And then in the next scene, she has a Birkin. And I was like, okay, that's better. A bright orange Birkin, though. I'm like, she's classic. She would have a black, white, or brown Birkin. She's not walking around with a bright orange Birkin, I guess. Unless like maybe that's the only one she could get because there's a list. I don't know. But I was like, our. Our accessories here need some work. Birkin, something you only saw in 2009 or on The Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, where, let's be fair, their fashion is still stuck in 2009. Like, do people still, like, is there still, like, a line for a Birkin bag? I have no idea. Why would I know that? I don't know. You're a high-powered lawyer lady. Don't you have to get a Birkin bag? No. I don't really have much else on this movie. I I didn't write that many notes. Also, I was playing on my phone the whole time. And I still think I got the gist of the movie. You know, I wasn't compelled. It's kind of a boring, forgettable movie. I was also a little bit tired because I flew back home Monday morning at two in the afternoon. And then like fully like fell asleep watching Ghostbusters 2 Monday night. And it had to be like awoken and put to bed. Like I, so like maybe by yesterday evening, like I hadn't fully slept. So maybe I, you know, maybe I need to rewatch when I'm awake, but also I don't really care to rewatch, you know, there are so many other Sandra Bullock rom-coms I'm pulling for when I want yeah. a little Sandra Bullock, maybe even two weeks notice. If I just beep, beep, beep through the TRUMP stuff. Yeah. I don't know. This movie just didn't do it for me. No, it's not for me. I really thought I was like, people love it. It's hilarious. It wasn't. Yeah, I expected to like, like enjoy it, like enjoy this nostalgia of it more than I did. 
I feel like we need to give Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds like a redo. Like, can we put them in something else together to try and? Like- I don't think so because I think they dated after this, so I don't know that they're like itching to work together again. No, 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 no. You're thinking of God. You're really pulling. She dated guy. Ryan Gosling. She also dated Ryan Reynolds. She dated both the Ryans. Mom doesn't know the difference between. Wasn't he already dating like lively at this point? No, I think this would have been when he was married to. I think he dated Sandra Bullock right after his divorce from Scarlett Johansson. No, they didn't date. All right, then let them be in a movie together again. No, they're good friends. Oh, cute. They're good friends and they've actually like tried to find a movie. So I would like to see them in something together. Then yeah, so let's that they do can it. Get a, a do-over. It's called the do-over. Next week, we are watching Bride Wars, a movie that when Carrie saw the trailer, she was like, I hate the idea of this. And then she watched it and she was like, oh, it's a good movie. So. Yeah. Um, trailer really makes you think it's about two women who hate each other when it is, in fact, about two women that love each other. Yeah. Carrie, what are your I'm predictions? Looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to it. I love Bride Wars. It's one of my faves. Um, Will Crisp Rat hold up? I mean, Chris Pratt doesn't hold up. The character will probably. I'm not even sure the character holds up, actually. I think the character I mean, is awful. I was going to say, the character awful, does it like, not hold fine. up and that he's like supposed to be kind of a dick. And so he's kind yeah. of a dick. The movie's um, not like, look at this handsome man. It's like, look at this kind of a dick character. Shouldn't she end up with her friend's hot brother? I watch this movie a lot. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure it'll hold up. Yeah. Where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. And you can hit us with some ratings, reviewings, and subscriptions. Rate, review, subscribe. And join our Patreon if you haven't. We have fun. What did we just watch over there? We just watched I Want You Back, the Amazon movie. We're watching Bridgerton. We're going to talk about Bridgerton. Um, Carrie went from having no interest in Bridgerton to being on deep dives in Bridgerton TikTok in under 48 hours. So it's true. It's a true story. Um, I am presently rewatching. Have to take a little side to watch Selling Sunset season. Who knows? And then I'll go back to Bridgerton. Um, but yeah, so join us. So join the Patreon and hear our fun thoughts on other things. Bye. Thank you. Bye.